for example, I've heard a million people say, what, well, not a million people, obviously, that's an exaggeration. I've, I've they stood outside your office now. That's a big number of people for that yeah, statement. There's a million yeah. people in my garden go, don't use PHP. Hello, and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall-style podcast about WordPress, business, and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plugin author and works for Delicious Brains, and Jack runs better notifications for WordPress and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pressing Matters. Jack, how's things with you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, uh, pretty busy, <laughs> um, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I just, I'm doing loads of stuff to the office still on the inside and that's keeping me really busy. So I've got like deliveries turning up like all the time. My blinds have arrived, but they've been here for two days now and I had a chance to put them up, yeah. And um, nice. yeah, but it's coming together. I've got a shelf and like a pegboard next to me and, and you know, places to put things now. And uh, I've been setting up the Raspberry Pi to run my TV behind me and, and all that sort of stuff. I've got my security camera in and it's all working pretty pretty well but yeah in amongst trying to do work and launch like three sites in two weeks and yeah it's all mm-hmm. very, very busy at the moment but um yeah otherwise otherwise good enjoying the weather um and you know we're having some nice weather at the moment and uh, and just yeah just kind of still really enjoying being in my new garden office really so it does yeah. seem like from what you said and from what i'm looking at in the uh, background like you're geeking out in terms of your TV, your Raspberry Pi, your like internal cameras, like it's uh, you, you like that side of it, don't you? Kind of getting all the networking right and kitting it yeah. out. It's the, it's like that communication aspect, which I which I really like, and it's actually one of the as a, as a side note, it's it's one of the things that I really enjoy doing as part of the you know better notifications for WordPress and plugin because it's all about communication. It's all about how people connect and communicate and kind of relay things. And I like all of that. I like kind of, without sounding completely nerdy, I quite like networks and mm. of all sorts. It's like um, railway. I, I'm not interested in trains in the slightest, not at all. But I love like the architecture of like, because most of our railway network here is obviously like Victorian and Edwardian. And it's it's really nice. And I like that network. I like that kind of structure and, and all that kind of stuff. And that, yeah, it's all kind of one and the same, really, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the camera's working great. It's got a great wide angle, so I can see everything in the office. It's got night mode, so I can kind of see it at night. It's like daylight in here. It's amazing. It's really good. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all coming it's all coming together, which I'm really pleased about. So yeah, but um, no, uh, my daughter's going to school this September, so it's not until next year that I'll have to think about what I do with like kids in the summer holidays and stuff. But for now, it's, just, it's all still pretty normal for me. But um, anyway, so I don't have that to worry about on top of sort of all the other stuff. But how are you anyway? How's it, how's it all going? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, well, we were just saying before we started recording that because uh, my son doesn't go to, he goes to a preschool, he doesn't, which is term time, uh, which is actually really hard when you think actually you got that six or so weeks before he starts proper school in the same, in September, the same as your daughter. But we've got the pre-summer holiday, like so we're having to get into the swing of things, which is hard. But at least, you know, we both work from home, me and my wife, so we're just going to have to make more time in the evening to work, I guess. And yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a 
a hard few weeks really because unless you take a load of time off work and yeah I, I don't know how couples do it when they're commuting as well and like their jobs perhaps aren't in the, quite the same direction as the school and like how does yeah it's I don't know how people do that but yeah but no it's all good with me we uh yeah we're just still trying to settle into the new house and in contrast to your sort of networking, the only bit of equipment I've really set up in my office recently is we had a, a TV that was in the dining room, which we're no longer using in the new place. And so I've set that up, which is quite good to watch a bit of Wimbledon while I'm working. But mm. also I unboxed my original SNES from like my childhood. So nice. I'm waiting, I'm waiting to, okay, for some reason I've lost the connections to the TV. So I'm waiting for uh, a micro whatever it is, a micro out to SCART lead that's coming soon. And yeah, you know, who doesn't want a bit of Mario Kart in their lunch hour? That's what yeah. I'm thinking. And I never completed Zelda, so <clears throat> my adult life goals now in between doing WordPress development. It's Yeah, you're preaching to the choir, man. I've got quite a few retro games consoles. <laughs> nice. There. And uh, I've got a Raspberry Pi in my living room in the house, which runs Retro Pi. And like loads of loads of games, so that's really cool. In fact, I'm gonna get it down. Just I'm at, this is a joystick. <laughs> oh wow, that is yeah. I so I this is so off topic. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we had an Amiga 500, I think, and that had some really good games on it. Anyway, I remember what the uh, joystick looked like. I know it was black, and I know it had two red buttons, and I was looking. I've, occasionally I've been looking online like for this particular joystick. I've never been able to find it. And I've looked through like family photos, if it's like a picture of me playing on the computer or anything, trying to find it. And I couldn't find it. Anyway, one day, just because I, I, I said I look occasionally, I was having a look and I must have to put in the exact right set of keywords to come across the joystick. I went on Brilliant. eBay. There was one for sale on the whole of eBay in the UK. And I managed to get it. And it was like a tenner. And it's an ornament in my office now. And a little reminder say, what? I'm not sure how good it is in terms of like, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I remember this one. So it might need me to open it up and kind of give it a bit of love and whatnot. But um, it's, it's just a little reminder of, yes, when I used to play as a kid. And uh, yeah, really, it really does, for that. Um, for wrestling, yeah. it's a Spectra video quick shot one, I think. Yes. Nice. Made in West Germany. Oh. Oh, no, no, it's just West Germany. That's the pattern number. But anyway, so yeah, delighted. I've got that. It does look like someone's had far too many games of Daily Thompson on it because it doesn't <laughs> doesn't quite sit nicely. But yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, what did you want to talk about today? What's going so, on? So yeah, so kind of two things I want to talk about. Um, I, I just wanted to briefly mention the absolute cluster cuss that was um, the Zoom. Thing <laughs> it was the uh, it was uh, Zoom this week because we use Zoom for our podcast because it's <clears throat> it's quite good in that you know you can obviously record the video and you can record the audio and it records it like together and it records it all separately and it spits out as a zip file. You send it to me, I create the video uh, the uh, the audio uh, of the podcast in GarageBand and then we you know publish it. Well, I give it to you and you publish it to the website and so on mm. and that's it works very well and in fact i can't believe that you know we, we don't pay anything for zoom to do this and i can't believe that it's sort of free really that's really amazing um 
and then obviously the thing came out this week that when you install Zoom, it also installs a little web server um, running on your computer, on a Mac anyway, uh, so that it, when you click a link, it kind of goes through your web browser and launches into a call straight away. And they do that through this web browser on your Mac, or at least that's how I understood this kind of issue. And um, <clears throat> the problem is, is that it, you can essentially, if you know that, if you now now that people know that you can set it up so that you can create a link that will automatically launch you into a zoom call giving someone access to you know your webcam and your microphone just straight away and you know depending on how tech savvy you are you may or may not know what's kind of going on and all that sort of stuff so it's kind of not good now i've, I've seen that apple pushed out a um a, a, a almost like a ghost kind of um update um, that fixed that and removed it. I actually did the removing process the other day and we'll put a link to the article that was on Medium about you know the whole thing and how to mm -hmm. kind of protect yourself in the show notes. But um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought it was really interesting. It touched on our kind of the, the web development, web design kind of stuff because it was this web server thing. So I thought it was worth kind of mentioning. But um, yeah, basically you just kill the web server, delete the files, uh, touch the file so you or the folder so you know that it can't be reinstalled with the next Zoom update. Um, and in fact, funnily enough, trying to launch this uh, call, it wanted me to install Zoom again because it thought it wasn't installed because it couldn't obviously couldn't detect the web, web server. So what I did was I launched the Zoom app instead and put in the meeting code, and then that I did it via the app as opposed to it trying to do it for me. So it was quite good. Yeah, thought, I've, I've not had to join a Zoom call since that happened. I've always been issuing the Zoom call links. So okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. But what I thought was really, um, from what, again, from what I understood, the, the sort of the PR of it was that they said, well, we did that because Safari users have like a, a, a bad user experience when it comes to like opening like mm -hmm. the link or something like that. And I thought, I'm not sure that's really an excuse, really. You're installing a web server on people's computers without their permission or their knowledge um it they were it was essentially it was hidden you know they weren't trying to um make it obvious that it was there and running this this guy this security researcher kind of found it and um they're saying that safari is the is the problem you know it's all very easy to obviously blame somebody else and whatnot and if safari is the problem then fine but it's just there's a very small percentage of people that use safari um, you know, in yeah. the world, let alone on Macs, because lots of people use like Chrome and stuff. I use Firefox, for example, and I have them for quite a few months now. Um, prior to that, I was using Chrome, and then prior to that, I was using Safari. But it it seems a bit ridiculous to me to say, well, it's because we, you, people use Safari, and I just don't think that's yeah. as true as they sort of say it is. Really, I just, just I don't introduce yeah. introduce the security hole for a small section of the users on Macs anyway. Yeah, especially given its implications, you know, it's yeah. it's pretty serious really. It wasn't like a what's the default browser? Oh right, okay, well then it's Safari, so we'll install the web server and whatnot. It was just a <laughs> yeah. install. Um, I guess we we should be clear. Is this uh, vulnerability only affected Zoom on the Mac? Yes, like, Zoom on the Mac. Um, but also, I think the thing that that struck me and you know was in that Medium article that the security researcher obviously found the the security vulnerability and had a real hard time contacting Zoom and for them taking it seriously enough that, you know, it was yeah. a zero day bug or, you know, flaw that was, um, they took a while to patch it. And, you know, the, the newest version of Zoom on the Mac does remove the web server so you don't have to go through the manual steps, but it felt like pulling teeth. 
to try and get them to sort it out. And, you know, the, the amount of PR damage that this has done. Um, I mean, we're still using Zoom, sure, <laughs> but it's not, mm. it hasn't reflected well on them. Um, to be fair, the only reason I feel that we're using Zoom in this call is because um, I don't think we would have had time to kind of source anything else, get it set up as we wanted. But yeah, put me off. that kind of thing puts me off completely, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and they, he had gave them like 90 days. He gave them the standard three months. I can't remember what it is, the website you go through to kind of, they pay our bounties and all that sort of stuff, even if the company doesn't, you know, that kind of thing. And they did everything kind of by the book. So, yeah, it's a real shame, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's not cool. I mean, security stuff, we see in the WordPress world quite a lot. I mean, I do a lot of work for the Ninja Forms file uploads add-on, and they we had some security, you know, um, ethical vulnerability finders that mm-hmm. have posted in or, or, or people who are doing penetration tests for client websites that used ninja forms and the add-ons and had people find stuff and contact us and say this is what i found this is how you recreate it um and like that side of thing just scares me because it's like you you're, you're building software that is widely used and it's can be very vulnerable um and it's quite a yeah, it's 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 an interesting world that whole security stuff and the white. I guess it's the white hat people who do they find vulnerabilities and they they get bounties for it, but it's it's better they find it than someone else. And obviously, well, it's hard to know if the Zoom thing had been had been exploited because it's not a case of you know you can you're not going to find stories about it. People are just going to be doing it and then. Uh, getting attacked with it, I guess. I'd, it's a it's a niche vulnerability in terms of what it would do and how you could ex- actually exploit it. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's a bit icky, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think Zoom has a lot of users these days, so it's just the, uh, mm. the potential size of the issue, I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought it was worth touching on. Just interesting. Um, so yeah, so the topic for this week was actually talking about our like our web development workflows like how we go about setting up a new site how we go about um creating um like how how we do everything you know how do we write uh you know css javascript how do we compile everything how do we you know if we're using whether that's in a theme or a plugin how are we kind of distributing stuff how are we kind of building these things to do with to do with wordpress and it's kind of a follow-on from like i think the last uh, um last podcast where we were talking about um composer and we were talking about kind of doing things, uh, you know, differently and, you know, barriers of entry and all that sort of stuff. And I thought it was interesting to carry on that conversation um, because I didn't think it was particularly, we, it was sort of a, it was a passing thing sort of towards the end, but it was, I don't think it was particularly clear on back, about how we do our own thing. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about how each of us do do that and, you know, maybe get an idea of something else that we could try from each other as well. Um, mm. Uh, because yeah, there's there's obviously there's uh, what do they say? There's more than one way to skin a cat. So yeah, definitely. And uh, and actually, to date, I don't know. We've heard many heard from listeners to say, "Oh, Jack was wrong," or oh, "Ian was wrong," or like mm. it. I mean, it is just a case of ways of doing things, and it's not it, you know, it's like opinions. Everyone's got them, and it's not not necessarily right or wrong. But mm. uh, although yeah, I, mean, I will say, I was wrong about Indiana Jones. Well, we, we said polled it on Twitter. Yeah, 
26 people were on that poll. And the but majority, 26. I mean, I think it was something like a, it was a Brexit majority. It was like 52% said last week. <laughs> yeah. It was 24, really, because me and you obviously voted, didn't we? Yeah. There was a, and I've got multiple Twitter accounts. So, yeah. You, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. There was but, 11 you know, people. There was, there was a clear mandate that Last Crusade was the, the, uh, the, the best film ever. Yeah. But no, anyway, so yeah, well, that's fine. Um, you, can, you can keep your poster. It's all good. Um, not getting burned just yet. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, no, but uh, yeah, anyway, so we should talk about our, our kind of uh, development setup. Do you, want, do you want to go first? You talk about like what you do. And this is sort of not specifically in like, you know, your delicious brains roles. It's just like, it's how you would do it. Or it might be the same. I don't know. But you know, how you would do it, how you would do it. Yeah. So my, I mean, my, uh, any any WordPress site I set up is cloned from a repository, which is a public repository, and I can post in the show notes. And it's a very very bare bones composer setup. Like you can go really really fancy with something like Bedrock, which um, is composer based. Um, but you know I've, I've never really used that too much, so I've, I've only ever rolled my own, which is a very, you know it's a simple composer setup that brings WordPress as the whole library in or the all the core files and puts it in a separate directory um installs plugins and like the 2019 theme um from the w packagist um composer repository which is the mirror of the wordpress.org repository so you can bring in any free plugin um as a composer package and then it's got uh what do i do yeah, so I, cl- I clone. Uh, actually, there's my there's my little to do list. There's my new site list. I'm yeah, so clone now, actually. Uh, well, I'm having a look at Bedrock specifically, actually, at the moment. Yeah. So I clone the repository, add, uh, and I'll typically at that point set up a new repository in my GitHub um, account for that site. So say you know it's client site A, I'll go and um, set up a new repository so I'm kind of backing everything up and putting it in version control right off the bat um, so I, you know, I obviously cloned my skeleton repository but then I changed the origin URL of the repository to the new one which is specifically for that you know, new site um, then I need to create empty database do some config stuff um, and like the database config is outside of WP config in my skeleton. It's there's in uh, environment based configs. So there's like a development or dev.php where you fill out the um, database name, username and password. And of course that's gonna be different to live. Um, so when I'd go to deploy, I'll have to SSH to the server and create a prod.dev, a prod.php, sorry, uh, file, which will then help hold the the production database credentials on that server. Uh, yeah, and then if I'm using any premium plugins, I'll add uh, a custom composer repository which points to my private Sartis. I think I mentioned that last time. I run a, um, a separate WordPress site which runs Sartis Press, um, which is a plugin that turns any WordPress site into a composer repository. So basically, you can install your uh, premium pl- plugins and themes on this Sartis WordPress site. And then in the plugins list in the admin, you can go and 
check each one to say, right, yeah, expose this to Composer. And then every time you do an update, it will hold those versions and you can just require those packages. Um, so I'd go and get premium plugins in all of my sites just and it's hosted there, that one place. Uh, and then I'd basically run Composer install. It'll do all the stuff. And then I'm locally up and running, I guess. Um, when it comes to um, deploying live, I mean, I would use, I would, in the past, uh, add a new site to a DigitalOcean droplet that had already been set up and provisioned with WordPress stuff uh, and Nginx, MySQL, all of that stuff. But now, um, I, I'm using Spin Up WP, and we've talked about it before. Mm. It is very easy just to go and <clears throat> on a say you've got an existing server provisioned by Spin Up WP. You can just add a new site and simply because my sites are stored in Git, I'll say, right, well, I'm setting up a Git-based site. Here's the Git repo URL. Um, this is the, I want to use the master branch, for example, because that's my, that's going to be what's on live production. And, and it will go and deploy it and you can, um, so it will check out the, um, the repo and it will run um, anything you want, basically, after it's checked out the files. So, there's a post-deployment script where I just run Composer install, no dev, um, optimize autoloader, and it it will just go and um, run that on the server. And obviously, there's a case if you have to migrate any database you've got locally to development to make sure, or to, sorry, production, to make sure you've got the, the database sit, sitting on the production server with the correct URLs. So always use MigrateDB Pro to do that. Um, and copy any um, assets like you know the uploads folder and I would typically use rsync on the command line to rsync to the server so it will just you know copy all of those um, all of the directories and files in the uploads or WP content uploads folder so I've got all the images and all the media um, on production mm -hmm. so yeah that I mean I don't do many sites at the moment it's mainly personal side projects and stuff like you know you know, setting up pressingmatters.fm, um, which is kind of way forward. And then when I'm going through and making changes, the you know, code changes get versioned in Git and then pushed to master when I'm done. Um, and spin up WP, which is has a really, really nice push to deploy feature. So whenever code touches master and gets pushed to master, there's a webhook in GitHub that pings spin up WP and says, well, You've just had some files pushed to your master branch, and Spin Up WP knows to that that's the trigger to go and redeploy the site to production. So it's it's a really really streamlined process in terms of deploying new changes because mm -hmm. I actually don't need to get involved in the server at all. I don't need to get involved in SpinUpWP.com at all. I just need to um, work locally, push my changes up to GitHub, and then when I'm you know, if I've done a, a change that has meant I've create a new branch in Git, which is like the feature branch for this change. Uh, like might be adding a new plugin and configuring some stuff and, you know, adding a, a, a template file to display some stuff. So it's, there's code changes. When I've merged that feature branch into develop and then merged it back into master, push to master, and then I just sit there and it's done because it's all taken care of. So there's no, like... A, 
I'm not exactly a command line expert and I do use SSH and stuff like that, but I don't use it all the time. But I've, I've moved on from FTP and, or SFTP and um, I'll only ever use an FTP client if I'm debugging like a, a plug-in customer issue and I need to really, really get access to their files to go and make some edits and do some login and investigating. So I use FTP then, but in my own stuff, it's just try and make it as uh, easy as possible. Yeah, sure. Sorry, that was a bit of a... Um, no, that's all right. Yeah, no, I, I'm processing it. So just so imagine I'm just sort of like interviewing you right now. None of the, I've got a few questions that, and they're not loaded in any particular way. How long does it normally take you to set up a site from, from scratch doing it that way? I appreciate that there, you know, the setup process, it takes longer than when you're, than when you're working with it. And like you say, you don't really have to touch the live site at all because once it goes up to GitHub, it goes back down again to the live site. But how mm. long does it normally take you to set up a site? Do you know what? It's, that doesn't take long at all because it is a set of commands that I run. And, you know, and actually I've not even, because I don't do it that often, I've been lazy and I could have automated it even more. Like it could just be a case of if it's a site from scratch, I could just have a bash script that says, right, go and clone my skeleton repo, um, uh, create a new file in the config directory called dev.php and pipe in uh, some variables for the database name because, you, you know, you could, the bash script could accept some arguments and that could be like the site URL. Mm -hmm. So it could then go and create the database with that name and it already would know my, you know, my username and password for my local MySQL environment. And then it could just um, CD to that direct to that site directory and run WP core install, I think, whatever it is, um, after it's done composer install. So I, I could actually script it and it could just be done in like a matter of minutes. Um, mm -hmm. And then it just a case of going to the new URL uh, I guess the only other thing is as well, if, because I don't tend to use like localhost slash mysite.com, my local dev development environment, and this is actually quite a good question for other people and yourself, I use MAMP Pro, which is really hor horrible. It's good. It does what it needs to do, but it's slow mm. and it's not great in a lot of ways. But I'll go and create a new host in MAMP Pro. And I know you can do this with tools like Valet, but I just don't use it. Um, so I'll create, you know, mysite.com pointing to the local folder in htdocs, which is where I've just cloned the, the repo, um, as probably mysite.com. And then locally I'll, I can hit mysite.com and it will point to my local, um, install of that site. Or I might use my site dot test or dev or whatever or local dot local. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't really take long at all. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, the command composer install kind of does the grunt work of going to fetch the files for WordPress, fetch the files for the plugins that I've defined, um, and I've got some standard WordPress plugins that I install every time, like Akismet and um, limit login attempts and mm. things like that. So yeah, it's not too long. What about like CSS and JavaScript? Do you work with those? Yeah. So if I'm doing if I'm doing a theme, I'll I'll use SAS and I'll create s um, dot s c s s files, mm -hmm. um, and I'll typically just use Gulp and um, yeah, have a package dot JSON file 
and uh, uglify the uh, the CSS and I'll, I'll minify the JS and I'll just probably copy that from an existing project that just mm-hmm. looks at the assets dot slash JS or assets slash SCSS. Um, but I probably won't, depending on what it is, I probably won't go to town too much on that. I mean, we've got a bit more of a fine tuned approach on deliciousbrains.com and, and our other sites where we've got SVGs and we've got images and we do image compression as part of the gulp build task and SVG a formulation of an SVG sprite, um, which is quite cool. So you can, you load one SVG and with multiple symbols within it, mm-hmm. which are actually individual SVGs. And then you can just reference those within your HTML markup. Um, we've got a new designer on the team. I say new, he's probably been here for a few months now, Lewis. And he wrote about SVGs and that process of creating like a SVG sprites from multiple SVGs. And we use that in a gulp task. And that's pretty cool actually. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it really does depend. Like I'm definitely not doing client sites to the scale you are. So if it's, if I'm just building a plugin, for example, it will just be a CSS file and a JavaScript file. And I won't go to town on, you know, um, a, a task runner. Yeah. No, sure. No, I understand that. And things like um, Sartus Press, which I'm just having a look at on my other screen here. Um, I, I kind of get what that is. I suppose the question I've got, and it's something that we've touched on briefly about the sort of pressing matter site, is that um, so currently, obviously, I have admin access like you do. And if I was mm. to update a plugin, I can update a plugin. I mean, I can, I, I'm, I've got the privileges on the, in the WordPress admin to do that. But as you manage it all through, through Composer, have you thought about kind of shutting that off or removing the plugins kind of section from the, the sidebar? Just because there's room for error there, if you see what I mean. Mm. So. Yeah, I definitely lock it down more. I have locked it down in the past for client sites so they don't have file editor access. They don't, won't have update. Um, but I've never removed it from the sidebar, um, I guess, just in case you want to check other stuff. But I've not been so stringent with like the you know the site with the collaboration with yourself because it actually doesn't matter too much because you can install or update plugins those files will get installed and updated on the server it's just next time i run a composer thing they'll get lost so Mm. we so it's not it's it's not like you can't do that but it could result in like a destructive thing when i do the composer stuff um yeah so it just depends who you're using, doing it with, I guess. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> and I suppose it depends how those plugins kind of work in terms of their structure and how they're put together. So like if they were removed, does it remove... Like sometimes if they detect that they're removed, they'll do things like the trigger, the uninstall hook and stuff like that as well. So you've got to be kind of a bit... If, you, if a plugin was all of a sudden missing, it might be like completely gone with your settings. Mm. But if you if you've set it up so that a user can't change that, they can't change the plugins or the themes or whatever it might be, and everything's handled through Composer, um, I suppose that's quite quite nice. I suppose a, a nice thing would be to have some kind of harmony there where you can have clients with still control over their site that allow them to add plugins if they wanted mm-hmm. to. To say like you didn't install limit login attempts, you can go, a client would go and install that because they've read that that's a good thing to do or something. Some clients are, you know, hot on yeah. their own sites, you know, and, and working with them. They could add that and that will add that to that list of like composer dependencies so that you know, uh, and plugins, so that you know 
they've done something or or whatever. And I, I suppose that kind of there's a bit of a gray area there between giving a client enough access to allow them to do things like that and for them to get involved and interested in running their own site. But also some clients will go to absolute town and install loads of plugins. They will activate some, yeah. they won't use them or they won't delete them or whatever. So there's a, there's a bit of a fine line there, but you can, you can see what I mean though, where like you say, it could be destructive, but what I'm suggesting is that you could have it. So it's constructive as well. And that it allows that you to kind of, um, I don't know, see that. And I suppose what might be quite nice is that it would push those changes. I don't know how any of this would work. It's just hypothetical, but those changes could be pushed into a branch. So then you could compare your master composer.json file with the one that has been created from the WordPress admin. So you can kind of see the differences and then you can either choose to merge them or you know do whatever it is that you want to do with it. So you've got kind of more of a harmonious kind of working with a client kind of environment there. I'm just yeah. trying to think of ways that would allow a user to use the WordPress admin as kind of WordPress intend, which is, you know, using the WordPress admin for installing themes and plugins and all that stuff, and also allowing you to do your development work on it without the yeah. two conflicting. Because I think most of the time, you, you speak to any developer that works with, you know, clients directly, they will say, well, as soon as I make a database change, my database is out of sync or, or something. And there's always that kind of butting of heads when it comes to working with a client and keeping content and whether it's like media files or database stuff, whatever it might be kind of in sync. So again, having that kind of developer kind of relationship with a WordPress admin that a client is using might be quite an interesting um, thing to look at in the future. I don't know. I don't know how that will work and it might be a total mess and it will never work, but it's yeah. just, just a thought, just a thought. I think a, a good first iteration of that is, if you have that relation, if you have that type of client who has access to the site and will potentially want to do things with plugins, but you're a developer with a composer-based setup, is just perhaps to put some um, some notifications in on like the install plugin or remove plugin hooks that I'm sure would exist somewhere in WordPress that just sends an email to you to say, "Hey, they've just installed this plugin," and then that is a trigger for you to just go and update your composer, you know, require those plugins locally, push that to Git and deploy the site again at some point. And then the files will just be overwritten with the same files, but mm -hmm. you know about it in composer, like go yeah. down a hog of an automated system might be a bit overkill for, you know, the, the clients that do want those control where really there might not be that many people, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Cause it is just becomes like you're managing, like you manage assets and you manage the database which has differences between your local version and the live version. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, it's not for everyone. I guess that's that site set up. I mean, what's your, what's your process? What's your, unless you've, you've, have you finished interviewing Parky? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I, I think the only, uh, only thing I was going to say was that this morning I had to push site live that I did changes on. And the only thing that would have changed is that um, they have quite a lot of submissions via Gravity Forms is what they use. And those go in into tables in the database. So I just did before I pushed my database live using WV Migrate DB Pro, I pulled mm. in all of those tables um, along with some other uh, tables for like email log and stuff like that. So everything's kind of up to date. And then that's more or less the only thing that would have changed on that site. So I was able to pull those in and then push them all back up in the kind of a 
up-to-date state and um and everything was kind of um all fine so that kind of yeah it sort of touched on what you were sort of saying there but did you, um, did you shut off live during that process of pulling and then pushing so in case there was any ones that you kind of got lost in it's during- not that regular uh it's, i mean it's it's a regular enough i mean they might get like say 10 a day or something but it's not as regular as that and it was early this morning that it happened as well so it's highly unlikely that that would have occurred being the kind of clientele that they have that submit forms right yeah uh, but but also um the whole process took a couple of minutes two two three minutes to put it down it's like 100 meg down and about 200 up or something you know yeah. for, for the combined database so it, it wasn't too bad but um but yeah database database changes are the worst aren't they i mean you know if we're talking about um, you know, client stuff and trying to sync all these things up. Developer stuff is is not a piece on databases out of sync. So no, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> rest in peace, Birdbot. I know, and and that's so funny because I'm literally writing an article for Delicious Brains blog um, about merging because we have we've got an old, very old post where Brad wrote about how to avoid database merging because the solution does not exist for this kind of like perfect magic bullet system that can sync databases and merge the two with conflict resolution. It just doesn't work. And, and as you say, RIP merge bot, but his original post was like, right, if you're going to make changes to a client site, you need to sync that down to your development environment. So you're working on a copy that is live as of live, um, make your changes, but record those changes in some way or, shape or form whether or not it be like literally writing down each thing you do and then you're going to have to replay those or code them in a mysql you know insert in uh, insert values blah, blah blah into the table or code it in a php format like if you're creating new pages do wp insert post and write that in a script that you can then execute on production um, yeah. or, or in your case i mean you from the sounds of it you've synced the database back you've made changes and then you pushed it back up but that really only works i guess when you've got a non-changing database that's on live because you knew within that sort of five minute window nothing was going to change so you mm-hmm. could get grab a copy of live make your changes to it and push it back and re- and a wholesale replace which is what migrate db pro does because it's really originally for migrating sites between servers and or environments not necessarily keeping things up to date between sites uh, mm-hmm. or you know, environments when things are always changing so it mm-hmm. actually does a full replace of tables so but if that if that works for the site you're working on i.e it's a slow to no moving data changing database then yeah it's it's easy to do but the problem still exists and yeah it's not very it's not very nice so the blog I post i'm writing is just a case of this is what we do now in terms of scripting and how we've made a bit more of a system around the script because mm-hmm. that's the only thing we can we can do that is full foolproof to a ninety nine percent. Yeah, no sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a look through the process that I've got at the moment. So because I've been working as the client since November, um, I and I was working on nine sites um, for them, and I'm about to start the ninth now. And it meant that it was a lot of same 
it was it was the same process more or less um mm. nine times and i thought i really don't want to be duplicating that so i thought literally from the first sight i'm gonna i'm gonna uh document this and i'm gonna put it all together and you know i can adapt it as i go along kind of as i learn more about each one because they're more or less the same but obviously you know once you've done it once or twice you'll know things you know that you didn't know the first time around so mm. i thought so the, I'm, I'm probably in the most uh, well-documented kind of creating a new site kind of situation I've ever been in. And I've got, it, it, it's an adaptation of uh, uh, essentially a WPCLI set of scripts that I put together a couple of years ago. In fact, it was one, I seem to remember it being one night my daughter wasn't sleeping very well when she was just not long after she was born and I was awake and I couldn't get back to sleep for love nor money. And um, my you know, my wife was dealing with her and, and I thought I, I'm awake and, you know, I'm going to go downstairs and do something and yeah, that'll be that. So I went downstairs and I opened up my laptop and I thought I need to look into WPCLI. So I literally started writing a script and I found it so easy to work with. I was like, oh my goodness, everything's going to change. So um, I was working with MAMP Pro at the time and that was fine because it gives you like kind of a, a very easy to access, uh, you know, PHP um, sort of setup and, uh, my SQL and you know and everything like that is is easy and it's all kind of exposed to the kind of uh, Mac level, um, but it it wasn't particularly fast and the development was a bit up and down. So I moved on to Vagrant or VVV, um, and then I moved on to Local by Flywheel, which is what I use now. So basically, what I do is I have a WP CLI Bash script which I open the terminal, run the script, and it asks me a bunch of questions. I've, I've written it so it asks me what it needs. And it's things like, what do you want to call the theme? Where are the, what's the development URL? Where is the site located? What's the title of the site? And then it takes those as variables and passes them into text files, which it then dumps into the, uh, the root folder that I've set up in Local by Flywheel. Sorry, I should have said the first step to this is actually just creating a site, an empty site in Local by Flywheel. Mm. Um, and that kind of gives me, that's essentially it's based on Docker. It's an Electron app which manages um, a Docker container and then it, it allows you to kind of do everything you need to do within that. And it's been a bit buggy, but it, ultimately it's been a very easy thing to use and it's pretty quick. Um, and I, I've been very happy with it. Uh, as an aside, I don't know if that's going to change all that much now that Flywheel have just been bought out by WP Engine, but you know we'll we'll see. Um, so once it's done that, it uh, also copies in uh, another script which I run via SSH in a moment. Any plugins, uh, you know, particularly like premium plugins, anything I need to import, um, the Git repository for the core plugin, that kind. Of, uh, sorry, for the core theme that we're, like the parent theme, everything. We're just going to grab and put everything in its place and I say, okay, that's done. And it takes a couple of seconds to run. And then you can SSH into that Docker container within Local Flywheel. And it will then look at those text files that have been created mm. because they're in that root folder, which is accessible via the uh, local. Um, it will pull out all the information from them and then it will start setting things up. So it does things like WP config set and it does a load of var variables. So things like um, setting debug to WP debug to true and, um, you know, disallowing file edits on themes plugins, you know, all those sorts of little things in the WP config file. 
Uh, and then it removes all the cruft that you get with WordPress, like, you know, hello, Akismet, because I'm not using it on this site. Um, WP config sample, because obviously it's already w.config, um, you know, text files and all that sort of stuff that it doesn't need anymore. It then deletes all the like hello world posts and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. that comes to WordPress and just strips it back to kind of absolutely nothing in it at all. And then it will go through and set up all the uh, options. So, you know, I'm usually in the UK, uh, you know, so that to not accept pings, the image sizes, everything. It kind of just sets up the size if it was a brand new kind of site and you've gone through each of the kind of the settings in settings and set them as you want. Um, and then it will go through and install and activate all the plugins I need. <clears throat> and of course, there's a load of plugins that have already been copied into the root folder and it will put those in the right places and activate them and so on. Um, and then you can do things like you can write some json or you know wordpress's json to um configure some of those plugins as well i'm doing it with like uh, i'm doing it with migrate db pro like setting allow pull allow push to true you know sticking in my license key all that sort of stuff activating it and do that all via wpcli and then activating the theme deleting all the other themes that are there updating all the core files and languages creating the menus um, deleting all the you know widgets because you always get all like the meta and search and all that and new latest comments all those widgets are built into the like the default sidebar doing all those and then it sets up my user profile and generates me a random password which it spits out at the end along with uh, some license keys that I can't put in via JSON and then I and it open well it it doesn't open but I have to then just open the site from Thywheel and put in that password and uh, I'm good to go really so. That is kind of how I go about setting up a site locally, and that's always what local. Yeah, and and that's the thing is is local by firewall does a certain amount for it, so it sets up the Docker for me. It sets up, um, you know, WordPress itself. It kind of installs it. It's got WPCLI installed, you know, by default. Um, it sets up your hosts file with a dot local address for that. Um, you know, and all that sort of thing. There's an add-on for it called Volumes that allows me to map other areas on my Mac to a container, kind of like an alias, you know, um, within within that container. And then, yeah, I've kind of just ready to go, really, ready to start uh, adding content or coding or whatever it is that I need to do, you know, stuff. And I have got it, actually another thing I've got in there is I've just got to set up the child theme as a Git repository. I'm, we're using GitLab, but um, you know, if I want to use that, whatever I need to use, I can just get it in there. And then it, once I put in the theme name, it will pull that down from GitLab um, as well. Uh, so I've, and that's it. The only things it doesn't do, which I used to be able to do in things like VVV, is do things like open Safari or Chrome or whatever with the URL in the address bar. So at the end, it would say pop up all my windows. So it would say mm. it would open, you know, uh, VS Studio, and then it would be, um, oh, sorry, uh, VS Code, and then it would open up, you know, CodeKit and uh, Chrome and all these sorts of things as well that I would need to literally get started there and then, um, which is a bit of a shame. And I don't like that there's the part of it where I have to right click, go into, like, create the site in local by Flywheel, and then after the first script run is SSH into it, run the second script and let that do its thing inside there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't quite worked out how to pass stuff from one place and then SSH into it and then do that. Cause the, like the SSH in, it's not like a, it's not an obvious thing. It's like, it kind of gives you a random string and it kind of SSHs into almost like 
it's almost like the idea of the container or something that it gives you. So it's different every time you start it up. So you're never quite sure where it goes. So I haven't got it all passing into each other yet. And I don't think I'll ever bother to get it that far, to be honest with you. But when it's done, when I've finished with the site and I've uh, pushed up to get and all that sort of stuff, at the moment, it is just a straight um, WP Migrate DB Pro and FTP. And that's it. Yeah. I, I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I was going to get around to auto deploying via Git, but and I've looked into it, but I, I, there's not a swift enough way to do it all that would involve me managing everything without doing something like going through the composer route where you have like the whole thing um, like, like, like that in Git. Yeah, you want the whole site in Git, but you don't want all of the WordPress files in Git and all of that stuff. Exactly, yeah. Composer, you know, treats it as a package, so it's ignored from Git effectively, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some really great tools out there. I mean, I was having a look at Bedrock because you mentioned it and stuff, and the roots thing has always really interested me. Um, But it's things like... it's it's, So, you know, I'm, I'm thoroughly in the WordPress space and everything and i kind of to an extent there are you know exceptions but to the extent i i kind of go with wordpress and say right well wordpress is wordpress they know what they're doing and i'm just going to leave them to that and then and i trust that they know best because there are people working there that are just so i mean it doesn't even bear worth saying but they're so much more intelligent and better than i am at you know any of this stuff and they've set up wordpress okay there's some legacy stuff in there but ultimately there's wordpress because uh, that you have those WP includes, WP admin, WP um, content folders. They have all the files and everything. And that's everything you need. And that's how they structure it. That's how it's done. So when you look at things like Bedlock, Bedrock and they say this is a better WordPress project structure um, and they talk about improving it and everything. And you think, well, that, but that's one person's or possibly a group of people, a separate group of people's version of what WordPress mm-hmm. is doing. And I'd rather just stick with the WordPress way rather than kind of, changing that because wordpress might come out with uh, something that breaks all of that you know it just i I always think not that i don't know i'm gonna do that but you know i I like to kind of stick with the original if you know what i mean so i feel that this is still the way that i'm doing it's still fairly true to life especially as wpcli is a wordpress project as well so i like to think uh, yeah it is now sure but yeah yeah yeah, no it is now yeah jack we're gonna you and me are gonna come to blows again i mean oh yeah yeah (laughs) well I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily sort of say that just because WordPress is, has got the, you know, the, the WordPress core developers working on it. And obviously there's been probably tens to 20 kind of core developers that have worked through the project and now moved on. So there isn't really that, you know, connection between who's working on it now and who set it up originally. And the WPCLI. No, I'm talking about WordPress as a, obviously. in terms of going back to what you said, you know, that's the WordPress way and the roots and bedrock way or the way other people treat it is their opinion like that other person's opinion mm-hmm. i would argue that um and i think it's been said lots of times that you know wordpress is not set up like a modern php project whereas yeah. the, the things that bedrock and other types of um wrappers to wordpress as a as a, a you know site or an application it is much more of a modern way of approaching it because WordPress is the application and the things that we change are primarily the theme and the uploads, which is your client would change. Those are the things you don't really touch apart from setting up some basic stuff. But the thing you care about is the theme. 
and how that is architected in modern WordPress, modern WordPress, I mean, modern PHP projects like things like um, application frameworks like Laravel and even other ones that have now are outdated. But, you know, the core code that is the application it isn't something you need to be looking at or care about or it's sort of hidden away in a different folder and your stuff that you need to change is in the public folder. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where your theme is. And like WordPress has never separated that out properly. And like, I don't, I mean, obviously you're, you're entitled to, to view that as a kind of, this is the WordPress way and that's cool. And you stick, you stick with it. But I mean, I, I do see it as a, as a as a a negative to WordPress, and you can see it even lower down in the code level. So WordPress still requires well when it's loading its files, it uses require statements, it uses include statements, it re- and it is so sort of tightly coupled with. Um, you can only use a class as long as it's been required, and so you have to have loads of these require statements littered throughout the like the early stages of the code loading. Mm-hmm. But that's that's an, a very old way of doing things, which isn't very developer friendly and whatever. And you know, there's there's auto loaders that means that if you start calling a class to use the class, it doesn't need to have been required to start with because the auto loader will go and go and find that file that is associated with that class and load it on the fly, mm-hmm. which means you don't need to do all this stuff up front. You don't. Um, and WordPress is kind of really, really shied away from embracing these types of new PHP practices. And like in true WordPress style, there was a, a, a ticket on track, which was an autoloader for WordPress. Um, and it languished for however long and had so many people going, oh, this would be great. This is like proper way of doing things now, proper way perhaps. Mm-hmm. And other people just going, yeah, but why? It works. It's fine. It's what, why would you change this? And you know, you come up against, you know, people who just are happy with it as is. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not strongly arguing this and it's not a criticism of yourself, but what I mean is WordPress hasn't moved with the times and things like bedrock and, and anything that uses composer to manage WordPress composer is the, the de facto package library for, or package, library manager for for php mm-hmm. and wordpress is like allergic to it it won't even touch it won't even go near it whereas getting sites like with bedrock to set up your site with composer and bring in the pro you know wordpress is a dependency it's the it's a library that you're using it's like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be in the main code base and it should be you shouldn't put it in git you like you shouldn't need to mm-hmm. um so yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to politely say I disagree with you because no, I, no, I, no, I completely understand what you're saying. I, yeah. I really, I really, really do. And you, and you're right in that, that my world really exists within the WP content folder. Let's be honest, you know, whether it's yeah. writing a plugin and dealing with a plugin or or writing themes, which is what I do most of the time. You're absolutely right. Um, and and I and I'm I'm probably kept at arm's length from that. I I would say that there's probably. I don't know. Do you know of any other examples of like, and this is not a, um, you know, a, this isn't a loaded question. Um, do you know of any other examples of anything that has gone down a completely 
different routes so they've had like this architecture like wordpress is kind of structured and then they have completely changed how they do it to kind of go with the times or just like or to update themselves do you know of any examples that that do that uh, have done that uh no not off the top of my head but i mean you know drupal i'd have to check on this i know drupal has potentially got composer uh integration i'm not sure if that's right but I assume that that's changed over time. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you know, even things like the other day that I saw something on the post status Slack where somebody asked Javorsky, a guy called Gabor Javorsky asked if you can try and basically pull away the wpconfig.php file. You know, it, its name is, it's a config file and it should hold config stuff, even though it's a PHP file. Mm -hmm. But actually, at the end of it, it bootstraps a file and it will continue the loading process of WordPress. It's like, could we not move that out of there and just have that purely for config? And and it, I think he was asking the question probably in a loaded way, but the, there was responses of, yes, you could do that, but it, it'll be pretty hard because WordPress needs to re refactor some stuff. And like, it's just not the, you know, you come up against the WordPress legacy kind of wall of, yeah, it can't be done really. You know, it's going to break break stuff for other people and blah blah. blah. But mm -hmm. yeah, even just those sort of small changes just don't seem to get done. But but in answer to your original question, I'm sure there is other. Um, the thing is, with WordPress, it's so long running. Perhaps Drupal and Joomla are the only two really that have been around long enough to to have those same changes could have happened over time. Yeah. Whereas it's it's too easy to look at the other new shiny CMSs that have come out that have been built from the ground up in the last five years and therefore taking better decisions and better architecture decision, code architecture, database architecture and all this stuff mm. and flat file systems and all the markdown systems. But yeah, yeah, I, I, it's just, I don't know whether or not there's that appetite to, to, to do it. You know, the developer happiness is definitely smaller on the roadmap for, WordPress, the foundation, Matt, whoever, to, yeah. to satisfy. I, you know. I wonder whether it's it's. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I I often mention this sort of barrier for entry stuff because think I don't think I don't feel that anything really should be in life should be overcomplicated to a point where people create an industry for themselves to be able to help people to do something simple. So for example, you could have a using the same sort of, you know, what we've been talking about rather than a separate analogy, you could say to people, okay, uh, yes, this is WordPress, but you need a developer to put in all the content for you because it's too complicated for your average person or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you go to WordPress and it's really straightforward to, to use. And if you've used other CMSs, you'll know that WordPress is pretty straightforward. It may not be the best one in terms of, you know, a particular thing, you know, for example, widgets, you know, that's just a bit of an odd one for me in WordPress. I was butt my head against widgets and finding widgets and seeing what they do and stuff. But, WordPress is it's grown to where it is for a reason. And it's got a very low barrier of entry. It's very easy to use. It's got a massive, you know, following of people. It's got a, a, a massive plugin library and theme library and, you know, an ecosystem around it. And that's wonderful. And that's why we're in it, you know, right? Because, you know, 
we, we a lot of the time we you know we uh, we do business in things that you know uh, uh, where trends are and where the market is and everything. So you know if we were working on a much smaller CMS, it'd be harder to get paid. It'd be harder to find work and all that sort of stuff. And I do wonder whether a lot of this is because of WordPress's low barrier of entry. And mm. that applies to things like uh, plugin development, theme development, writing code for it, okay? And if you were to overcomplicate it, not overcomplicate it, I mean, I mean I'm, this is not an argument against doing it any differently from, say, you know, at the easiest way possible, which is a text editor and an FTP or anything like that. If you if you make it so that there's this higher barrier of entry, it would make it more difficult for people to get started in it. So mm-hmm. imagine imagine if you you know to drive a car you needed a a, a, a science a, you know like a, a I don't know a physics degree or something like that. It would it, you would have hardly anyone driving cars. You know, I think it's nice that we have um, WordPress in the uh, you know in in the the format that it currently is because it allows anyone to get started. And I'm sure there are lots of people out there that their first thing they do in PHP is writing a bit of a theme for WordPress or, you know, writing a small section of code in the functions.php file, you know, and that's really cool. That's really, that's really great. You know, I, I think, you know, um, mm. and I, and I, I don't, I don't think it's necessary to to overcomplicate it. I just don't see it, it, that it's necessary that we we do have. Um, you've got to read this massive long document to understand the structure of something before you can get started or install lots of things on your computer to then get started. You know, it should be more straightforward than that. I think. Other, otherwise, you know, there's. It, you're putting people off, not only from using it, but for developing for it and so on. And I, I understand that, you know, we're in the developer space, so we, we obviously see, you know, the developer problems and, and you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, the WordPress setup at the moment is absolutely fine. Um, for, like you say, uh, you've obviously got more that you would like to see out of it in terms of it evolving into a more modern platform than I do. Um, but it's, we're in the developer space. We see a lot of that. We see the problems. We see WordPress structure. We see the database tables behind the scenes and think, why is everything lumped into WP Post better, you know, and everything like that. And we, we, we see all those things, but I still think that, you know, everything that makes WordPress wonderful and, and good to work with is, is, is still there. And, you know, and, and I, and I would be kind of loath to see that go anytime soon, even if there's a huge outcry from the developer community to kind of do stuff, like update it so that it has better compo- well has composer support at all you know and all that sort of stuff mm. yeah I, I get what you're saying just a side note to that i just looked up the drupal um repo on github which is their mirror um and it is composer driven completely completely composer driven you heard it here first everyone ian has moved to drupal yeah well i mean it's something i've never actually used or never touched but it's always had a bit more of a um a reputation of being slightly, I don't know, used by more businessy type things, more enterprisey perhaps, and therefore it has perhaps a bit more of a complexity to to install and to set up and to get your head around, rather than like you know you're saying you love the the WordPress ease of use and ease of install, the kind of the 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 average Joe, I want a website, I'll download a zip and you get going straight away kind of thing, as long as you've got other stuff on your computer and whatever but yeah i, I do see that but it, there are so many um 
what's the word? There's so many um, issues with that now because of things like Gutenberg and React that, that, and we've said it before, both of us, that there is a harder barrier to entry to certain things like that now. And WordPress is quite happy to introduce those things. Um, mm. But I do want, uh, you know, if you want a low, a low barrier to entry WordPress site, there's WordPress.com, for example. You don't need to, you know, if we, had, if we add a couple more requirements and three or four extra lines to the install um, to do or list, then is that, is that going to make uh, a dramatic loss in how many people get started with a platform? Should yeah, it, that's true. You know, it, it's power in 33% of the web. Should it be kind of, uh, I'm trying to find a better way of saying like a noddy type setup. Like, should it be something a bit more uh, robust and something that more of a developer should do? Is it because it's, you know, the self-install, I don't know what the split is in that 33% of the web is, I presume that a lot of it is WordPress.com accounting for that statistic, but should we be making it more robust and more gauged towards the type of the, the higher end of the spectrum of people using WordPress, the enterprisey kind of big business clients and stuff like it? I'd, yeah, I get it. It's hard to make everyone happy with that. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, there's a danger of thinking the WordPress way is the best way mm. just because it's, I'm not it, saying it's the best it's way. way for the 10, you know, however long, yeah, no, I know. I agree with you. I, I'm not saying it's the best way. It's just I feel that I should trust the judgment of people that are better than I am at what I do in the system that I use. That's, that was my argument, is that I, I, I feel like they – you, you, I completely agree. And I'm sure, you know, if you, were, if you were writing WordPress and you were using WordPress every day, you would probably change things to go, okay, this, this, having this included on a config file doesn't make sense. I'm going to move it somewhere else and just require that config file or something like that. So it's, you know, I, I totally understand that. And you probably would be rewriting it, but it's not just for you, you know, it's for other people. And, and I think actually it's interesting what you said about Gutenberg and that sort of barrier of entry thing. It's sort of a double-edged sword really because the whole point of Gutenberg is to make it easier, whoops, easier for people to construct interesting and nicely designed blog posts that's the idea isn't it so yeah. but at the cost of it, it's more difficult for a developer so it's kind of there's you know there's good and there's bad there you know i think um and but that being said as we mentioned before with acf advanced custom fields that kind of takes away that barrier of entry in itself and makes it a lot easier mm. to work with you know so it's yeah. um there, there, there's room there, I think, for a lot of cool stuff to happen. I think that's that's right. What you've just said, there is room there. There's, you know, you can install WordPress with download and zip, or you can install WordPress via Composer. You can you can sort of fit it to how you want to do it. Um, if you want to de- develop um, Gutenberg or block editor stuff with React, and you know React, then you can do it. And if perhaps you still want to create blocks, you can use ACF. Like it, it, it does come back down to just doing with what you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. and, and what what works simply, I guess. And there is the beauty of WordPress that, you know, the, the people have built on top of things to, like ACF blocks or the composer setup that Roots Bedrock does and other people have done. It's just, yeah, there's, there's enough space for all types of um, use cases and abilities, I guess. Mm. As yeah. Abilities, it's just, you know, whatever works. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could argue as well that, you know, PHP in itself is not something that is a good thing to use on the modern web as well. You know, I, I mean, I mean, for example, I've heard a million people say, what well, not a million people, obviously that's an exaggeration. I've, I've they've stood ten... outside your office now. That's a big number of people for that yeah, statement. There's a million yeah. people in my garden go, don't use PHP. No, um, <laughs> but there, there's a, there's a, uh, there's, there's, I've heard lots of people say to me, why, why, why write PHP when you can write Python as well? And I don't know. I've, I think I've touched Python once or twice and that's it. But, you know, and, and that was a Raspberry Pi thing. It wasn't, you know, uh, anything else, but, um, you know, you know, most people are in JavaScript now, you know, there's, there's always a something, isn't there? And there's always going to be a a change in, in things and how people are doing stuff, you know, um, Hmm. I don't know what my point is there, but you know, it's just it's just that we haven't really touched on PHP as a as a as an even as a language, let alone you know anything else. Hmm. So, um, well, yeah, that's totally another rabbit hole, I'm sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think as well as you know, it's not just about how we're going about doing it. I think it's about how how you hand it over to other people as well, because you know, like I say about this barrier of entry thing. I know that if I was to hand over what I do, ignoring the scripts, because the scripts that I use are things that I use to set up a site, okay? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so what do you do if the client, you know, they want it on, your, on their hosting, they've got a, a GitLab repository, and they say, well, we're only paying you for this sort of initial setup, and we'll, we'll take it in-house. Do they just, they've just got server access and GitLab, and they'll just do their own FTP, and you just walk away, I guess? And yeah. there, is no, there is no complexity of, Ah, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, uh, usually just to make sure that we part ways on the best possible terms, I usually write down, okay, the not these are your FTP details, but this is how you go and get your FTP details. This is mm. your GitLab URL, you know, or something. Um, this is, uh, you know, where you need to download all the assets. It might be like a WeTransfer file or something like that that I've given them that has everything, say like, it might be like if I did a design or something, it'd be like all the mock-up files. So they can just take those things, give them to someone else and they can go and get them. And how they want to work is how they want to work as well. You know, they might yeah. then do all the composer stuff that I don't do and put it all in into a format that they want, which is absolutely fine. But I always, that's something I think about actually. There's some, I, I mean, it's rare, that, you know, to be honest with you these days, that I am handing over to other people. Um, occasionally there's a client that says, oh, you know, Sorry, we decided to find a web designer or web developer closer. It's usually proximity-based, kind of location-based thing. Mm. Um, we want them to be working with you. Uh, we want to be working with them instead, which is absolutely fine. It's probably got nothing to do with what I've done at all. It's usually to do with, you know, just, just them as a company and a business decision. And the, it's about how I hand it to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, or cost, you know, it could be cost, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I kind of think about those sorts of things as well. Um, I'm trying to think of an example where I've been given the most complicated handover ever. I can't think of, oh no, I can think of one. I can think of one. It was Vagrant and it was Magento and WordPress. And then there was this plugin. It's got a really weird name, Fishpig. This plugin's called Fishpig. But it's a plugin, I think, for Magento that pulls in content from WordPress. And it's... Mm the whole process of getting set up was so complicated. And the problem was is I don't think someone had finished documenting everything or had documented everything that they had been through. So when they gave me everything, 
I was getting errors and issues all over the show and I just, and I was following it to the letter and I couldn't get it set up. And uh, I got in touch with them and actually the chap that sort of co-owns the company, I think it's like brothers or something there in the company, he actually was a developer and he was able to talk me through everything and tell me, because he had some idea of how it all worked because he had set it up himself. He sort of knew how it all worked. But it was the most complicated thing I've ever had been through. And it also completely put me off ever touching Magento. Mm. <laughs> um, this was the self-hosted version. So I don't know if it's any different really, but you know. Okay. Is it, yeah, that, yeah, I've come across that type of plugin before. It doesn't sound too nice. Um, yes, I mean, I think another thing I've learned from this call, Jack, we are so bad at trying to keep it under 30, 40 minutes, aren't we? We just, we oh, just, yeah. we just chat, we just chat, we just go down the rubber holes, the tangents, we can't, you know, you say something, I've got to disagree and we've got to take the time to do it. That's how, that's how it's working. <laughs> But I think next episode, we're going to be doing slightly different. We're probably going back to an interview. So yes. maybe longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's three hours and 44 minutes. No, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, we are we are not good at sticking to our sort of half hour, 40 minute limit. Uh, maybe that's just how our show adapts. D- to be perfectly honest with you, and I don't want to drag this out for any longer. I really am not trying to do that. But it's nice for me because I don't get to talk to that many people in the week outside of the odd client and uh, my family. Mm. Uh, so being able to speak to someone about these kinds of things, you know, it, every other Friday or something is actually really nice for me. So yeah, sorry if I do keep you longer than you, you need oh, to. Oh no, no, that's all right. No, what no, I can't I... see on your camera right now is like your wife just off camera, just screaming, get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or kids or something. Yeah. If she actually is there, that was a joke. If she is actually there, I'm really sorry. I was yeah, just joking. Sorry. Yeah, no, she's not really there. Um, yeah, at some point, we'll probably end up having a BBC-type moment where one of our children does just walk into our office. So. <laughs> yeah, that almost happened to me the other day. And I, my client said, I was on the phone to a client at the time, and they said, um, it's okay, I've seen everything. I was talking to like a designer, and in the background, her boyfriend walked past with just a towel on. <laughs> She had no idea that she was in a call and she had no idea that he was there. <laughs> That's amazing. Don't drop the towel. Don't drop the towel. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Nice. And on Great. that note. <laughs> yeah, it's been lovely talking to you and hopefully, yeah, everybody else perhaps has enjoyed the conversation as much as we have and lets us know if they, they particularly want to listen to another topic or, yeah, just give us some feedback. And again, um, we are on iTunes, so please do give us a review. If you've got iTunes on your computer or phone, if you go to pressingmatters.fm slash review, it should take you straight there. So a five-star review would be nice, please. Yeah, or any review. any As long as it's honest, don't mind what the review is, but preferably five stars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> five stars. It's shit. Oh, <laughs> so... Never mind. Anyway, Brilliant. thanks, yeah. Ian. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, chat to you next time. See you, Jack. Bye. Bye.